Welcome back to a new season of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast and website dedicated to all things Draft FPL. If you're new to us, welcome. You've trekked a long way, but you have finally found the temple you have been looking for. Those of you that have been here before, welcome back. I hope you've been shook all summer long since last year. And it's last year where we're actually going to start for the first episode back this summer. Because in order to look forward, sometimes we have to look backwards. So I'm going to be casting my mind back to some of my draft days from last year, how I got on in some of my teams and leagues, a bit of an update on where us at Draft FC are currently at and where we're going to be heading this season and generally plotting the summer ahead of content ahead of Draft Day 2023. So for those who haven't uh, ever signed up at Draft FC before, um, one of the big things we offer, um, particularly for your pre-season draft day preparation, is our draft planner, which will um, not only give you our personal rankings um, from us at Draft FC, but will also allow you to see an average draft ranking for every single player in the game. So what this does is it's amalgamating all of the real drafts, so we're excluding all of the mock drafts and pulling those into a single table which you can sort depending on league size to give you some added information when you're creating your own player rankings. So from last year's uh, draft data, the top 10 picks according to our global averages were Salah, Son, KDB, Haaland, Kane, Jesus, Sterling, Alexander-Arnold, Darwin and Bruno Fernandes. Now Kane finished just 9 FPL points behind Haaland in the end. Um, as the far and away leaders with 272 and 263 points respectively. So good value for those who um, pick them up in picks around four to five. In our league, Kane went in fifth, uh, and that was reflected, as I say, by the global average. But Haaland was picked up second by our ultimate league winner, which is funny to look back on in hindsight, as uh, some considered that a risky pick. The big disappointments from those top 10 picks were Sterling and Darwin, who just got 101 and 100 points respectively, which is half what those draft valuations should have expected. Jesus on 125 is also under par, but does have the excuse of some missed time due to injury. Trippier was the only defender who, with hindsight, could have justified a high pick, falling just shy of 200 points. His average draft position was 79th overall. Alexander Arnold managed to claw his season back and finished on 156, which isn't a terrible result for those that invested a lot in him. And aside from Trippier, you could have grabbed four goalkeepers who outscored the rest of the defenders, including Rea and Pope, just to further hit home the general lack of value in defenders this year. Aside from Kane and Haaland, the only other two strikers that could be considered elite uh, last season were Ollie Watkins and Ivan Tony. Watkins' average draft pick last year was 45, This is surprising um, given how low this was compared to the official FPL draft rankings, which put him at 32. Plaudits have to go to one of my fellow managers, Rick Veer, who saw the potential and took him early in our third round with a good value pick at 25th overall. Tony was even further down the list, approaching the 50th pick on average. Again, a fellow manager saw better value there and took him 43rd. The same manager, it has to said, who took Haaland and ultimately won the league. And it's a shame Tony will be so far down in our valuations this summer due to the ban. 
In midfield, aside from Salah KDB and Bruno Fernandes, four other names make up what I would consider the elite tier, and that was Odegaard, Rashford, Saka and Martinelli. Not hard to spot the theme there. Saka's value was reasonably appreciated as the 12th highest selection with an average pick of 16, while the same can't be said for the others. Rashford had an average draft pick of 53, Martinelli 56 and Odegaard 42. A huge pickup for managers as uh, he ultimately piled on 212 FPL points. Famously in our own league, our newest manager took Odegaard in the second round with the 16th overall pick. A rare moment of clarity in a draft squad, which at the time drew much criticism and laughter from far and wide. Other good value picks were Eze, who had an average draft position of 113, and Gross, who it would seem was just as often undrafted as picked up in the late rounds, who also had a decent end of season tally. Skimming over all the final tallies and the average draft positions from last season, here are some observations that I think are important to make. The idea of the elite tier defender took a massive hit in 2002-23 season and with the benefit of hindsight most shouldn't have gone much before the fifth round and it's going to be hard to then work out what we do with those players this season and my expectation is um, even just looking at my own draft rankings that some of them will slide considerably. Secondly goalkeepers provide little opportunity for a winning edge. The difference between the best and uh, 10th best which was Raya and Pickford was just 42 points. Now that sounds a lot but if you average that over a full 38 game week season, that's an edge of about one FPL point per game week. Nine goalkeepers had an average draft pick in double figures and Rea wasn't even one of them. So not taking keeper too early is fairly accepted draft wisdom that many have to learn the hard way, but this season just proved the point again. And then finally, positional scarcity, particularly with the forwards, remains a huge consideration. 53 midfielders scored more than 100 points last year. Only 13 strikers managed to break that tally. Um, If we narrow that down even further, if you want to create a sort of an elite tier, 13 midfielders got more than 150 points, while only five strikers managed to get above that line. Positional scarcity can be a difficult concept to explain to newcomers, but those figures should help to illustrate the point. But I'll labour it further. You're in an eight-team draft. Let's say you're in the second round. You took Salah in the first and are now weighing up who to go with next. Saka is available. You think he'll get 180 points next year. Watkins is also available. You think he'll get slightly less at 170 points. No brainer, right? You think I'll take Saka because he's going to score me more points. Well, no, possibly not. Assuming a similar distribution to the ones I just read out from last year, in theory, there are quite a few midfielders left that can score in that ballpark. But how many other strikers will be left when your turn comes around again? If we use this season's number... Only five got more than 150 points, which means once you get through a couple of rounds, the strikers left are going to drop off a cliff massively. In fact, the more I talk about this, the more I realise this just needs to be a pod in itself. So consider that penciled in to the summer schedule. And then let's look at some of my personal reflections from my draft last year and what I'm going to maybe change moving into next year. So in my main league, in the Shook Ones League, I came fourth this year, 122 points behind our three-time champ Ravi. Each week, my issue has been fairly consistent, and that's bench points. More often than not, pulling some great gems out of the waiver pile, only to then have the wrong players nestled nicely on the bench. And just looking at the final three game weeks of the season, I left 25 points from Awani on my bench alone. Now, in draft FBL points, 
on your bench means points other managers can't have. So we do have to bear that in mind. But with the data available in my Draft FC League analytics, I can see that my bench scored 307 points this season. Now, currently, that doesn't reflect optimal lineup. That is a change that will be coming this season. So that does include substitute goalkeeper points when they would never have played. But even allowing for that, that is a decent number of missed opportunities. So in other words, if I'd have played an optimal lineup every week, I would have been in the battle for top spot. Next season, I should be able to improve this stat with the improvements coming to Draft FC improvements, which will be available to all signed up members. So firstly, the fundamental addition will be expected points generated from our own algorithm. This opens a number of possibilities for features we can provide, including a suggested optimal lineup based on the projections for the coming game weeks. Hopefully, I'll be able to get my benching decisions right more often than not. Of course, this would just be a suggestion and often there will be marginal differences between players. But the aim is that with a functioning model, we can make those dilemma decisions correct more often than we're wrong. It also means for those tight calls when you're swapping players in and out, then back again, having one projected at 4.4 and another at 4.2 at least gives you something objective to hang your hat on. My other personal reflection is that I feel I probably hang on to too many players from draft day than I ought to. Now, I did end up picking a little bit of an unlucky combo in the opening two rounds last year of Bruno Fernandes and Alexander-Arnold. So for much of the early part of the season, I was not really getting the gains that you would expect from your rounds one and two picks. Now, hanging on to those in the long run actually paid dividends and is partly why I was able to surge up the table from mid-season onwards. But on the other hand, a player like Kulisevsky, I hung on to all season and could have just as well been in the waiver pile. It's a difficult balance to strike and changing the frame of reference to one week ahead, five weeks ahead, 10 weeks ahead may have helped me reflect on that a little bit more objectively. And that's another thing with the expected points that we're bringing to Draft FC that we can hopefully change. Because as we're able to project further and further ahead with greater accuracy, some of those difficult wave drops will become a lot more easy to make. Elsewhere, for those of you on Twitter will have seen that we were in a creator league last season which was run on a different platform that was run on draft fantasy and um, that was a head-to-head with playoffs set up and we managed to get into the playoffs and and draft fc my team ultimately came out on top with a season that was nicely carried by a mixture of harland um, arsenal defenders and some wily midfield picks right through the season that was good fun nice to experience it on a different platform that's got some pros and cons to it and something that we will be running again this season. This time, I believe it's going to be running on the official FPL platform. So we'll be able to keep abreast of that on the Draft FC platform and post some fun updates on our Twitter feed as the season goes on. And as last year, I'm fairly certain that uh, Snake Draft, who you may have seen on YouTube, will be live streaming the draft again. In terms of Draft FC, I think we're probably going to release um, a short, um, a short update in its own podcast over the next week. So I won't say too much here other than to say we're making huge strides again uh, this season in in all areas of the site, not just the design, but also in the functionality we're able to bring to you. So all the stuff you know and love will still be there. And then obviously, as I mentioned, all of the other things that we can bring in when we have a fully functioning expected points model. Those of you that were signed up last season will have already been able to take advantage of the draft history feature, which meant all of your analytics from last season are now safely nestled and logged in the site. So you'll always be able to refer back to those. And that will be a feature that continues year on year. So you'll be able to build up that database 
uh, and be able to reflect back on the history of your draft leagues. And then week to week, um, the live game week tab is, um, well, we got that nicely updated towards the back end of last season. That looks absolutely spectacular now. And we've also made some great improvements so that uh, it shows the head-to-head matchups in real time. And also for head-to-head leagues, you'll be able to project what the score is as your current league stands, as your current squad stands for your opponent in the coming weekend. So if you know that you're currently projected to uh, miss out on a win by a couple of points, it's your chance to make some changes in the waivers. Hopefully our waiver planner will make that even more easy. And then for the summer ahead, we'll have all the usual stuff you would expect. Uh, In particular, I'm doing a full in-depth episode on each of the newly promoted teams. That'll be one episode on Burnley, one on Sheffield United and another on Luton Town, giving you a bit of a lowdown and all of our draft prospects ahead of draft day. Another pod will look at some of the teams with new Premier League managers this season to see how that might shape up and again affect our decisions for draft. The positional scarcity um, video, which I just talked myself into doing, will also be in there. Usual draft day success episode could do with a revamp this season, so I'll probably record another one of those. Very helpful for new players. And then the usual positional lowdown on some of my draft rankings going through the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and forwards. For those that only listen to the podcast, they will be, as last year, a fairly whistle-stop tour. So if you want to get full access to the complete rankings, as well as being able to see the official FPL average draft positions, then you'll have to sign up at draftfc.co.uk. And for those who are members um, and do have access to the complete ranking, I'm probably also going to record a bit of a long rambling video where I do a full ranking breakdown and talk down the whole list from 1 down to about 100 and then a few key names later on. Um, For those who are in massive leagues and 16-team leagues, the ranking is catered for you. It goes right down to 240. So that means 32 keepers, uh, 80 defenders, 80 midfielders, and 48 strikers ranked. The other thing to look out for this season, and um, something that I'm just going to start getting to grips with, is I'm hoping we can start to get more of the podcast onto YouTube. I'm quite interested in doing some video content because I think it will lend itself quite well and just provide another outlet for you guys to listen and also get a bit of a glimpse of the face behind all the talk. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at draft underscore FC. This is probably the best place to keep up to date with all the happenings at draft FC and also the easiest way to message us should you need to. We're pretty responsive on there and I've already started to get quite a few messages as people's draft days are looming. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast if you're not already. As I said, the podcast will be coming thick and fast over the next couple of weeks. Sometimes there may even be one every day um, and you don't want to miss out on any of those. So yeah, make sure you are subscribed and until the next one, stay shook.